Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post Atomic Horror, the most comprehensive Star Trek podcast ever produced, with your hosts, Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 3, Take 2, covering The Man Trap and Charlie X. Hi, friends. We're back. This is this this one is by request. This one's going out to Matt Robotham of wherever the hell you live, Oregon. You damn skippy. This one this one uh, this one has has plagued you for what eight I years? I have been wanting to do this forever. Yeah. The shame I felt get like I knew at the time. I got off that call. I'm just like that was fucking terrible. I shouldn't be podcasting. I should live in a hole or something. You know, you had the option to say, "Could we do that again?" I was that would have been okay. I, I I was too I was too fresh. Well, okay. It's too green I mean, at the game to know. You're one of them green horns. Yes. My horns were very green. I mean, we started doing this podcast after we'd already done the other one for a year. We mm-hmm. had like something like a hundred episodes under our belt, so we felt like we had the chemistry down. Yep. But I think we didn't have the prep down. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the the realization that you actually have to put work into this show. Not a ton yeah, of work, but no. Uh, some, you know, you and I can coast for long periods on our natural chemistry as friends, like our senses of humor complement each other. We mm-hmm. riff pretty good. But when we have to talk about something, you you need you need, you know, something. Yeah, exactly. And um, actually, our friend Tidro compared those very early episodes to uh, the KTMA days of Mystery Science Theater, where they didn't pre-write any of the riffs. They mm-hmm. they did them off the top of their heads and not very good. I would agree with that. Yeah. I uh, have not listened to any of our episodes since, like, we do them. I have to hear them as we do them, and then I have to hear them again when I edit them, and then they're completely out of my mind. So I have no idea. See, I've mentioned this before. It's a show about Star Trek where I talk with my friends about Star Trek. What better show could there possibly be for me? And, you know, I might enjoy it because my memory is so bad. Yeah. Like, I, I literally, about once a year, look over the episode guides that we wrote mm-hmm. and have completely forgotten the jokes that I have read once a year for the last five years. Yep. And laugh at them all over again. <laughs> a, a thing that routinely happens when we're t- when we're discussing older stuff is I'll go, oh, that's really funny. And you go, Matt, you wrote that. And I will have no memory of it happening. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends. There's, there's jokes that I remember because I try to... To train my brain to say, don't repeat that. But on the other hand, I forget a lot of stuff. Sure. So. Also, I, I learned very late in the podcasting game that not everyone listens to every single word we say. Mm-hmm. Which is not, like, that's not me. I don't feel bad about that. It's just, I didn't realize that's how people listen to podcasts. Because when I do it, I'm paying full attention. Mm. Now, a lot of people it's, do it while they're doing other stuff. Like, Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. But that means... Things, information that I put out there once briefly mm-hmm. might not have been received by everyone because not everyone is hanging on every single word we do. So, it's, it, you know. It's hard to learn, just, but. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, like at the end of the show where I plug, like we, we plugged our live show, our last live show for months. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, God, they know this. Why am I saying this again? And it's because probably they don't. People don't know. I know. But on the other hand, I hate repeating myself. Yeah. <laughs> and with that in mind, let's review The Man Trap and Charlie X. Uh-huh. I guarantee we will not be repeating ourselves very much. Like, what we have prepared here is almost nothing like what we did in the first place. Because there's notes and jokes. Uh-huh. 
and an actual summary written in front of me. Also, we now have eight years of Star Trek podcasting behind us to, you know, like we know what a summary looks mm. like. We know like what. Oh, that's funny. Let's talk about that for a while. Oh, man. Now, now we're too deep into explaining how great it's going to be. This is going to be a disaster. Oh, no, I wanted to I wanted to set the bar real high for this. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Honestly, honestly, like joking aside, I approached this like I would any other pair of episodes. I didn't think about how we did it before or what, you know, what new we should bring to the table or anything like that. It was like, okay, here's the next two. So I consciously thought about it and I ended up with the longest summary I've ever written in my life. I know I was I was in the dock doing my my notes. And I saw you writing the summary and usually you're done by a certain point. You, I know how long you take typically <laughs> and you were still going. It was like, wow, he's he's really he's really worried about this. So so obviously the most perfect, the most polished mm-hmm. uh, summary is is about to to happen right now, right? Uh, yep. So why don't you tell us, Matt? Why don't you why don't you give us your your doctoral thesis on the man trap? Okay, let's try this again. The original goddamn Enterprise arrives at planet M113, a colony planet with exactly two colonists. You know, if you can give two random yahoos a nice planet full of weird temples, the Maquis have literally nothing to complain about. (laughs) Anyway, one of said yahoos is Dr. Crater, an angry scientist studying something that is probably very important and never mentioned again. His wife, Nancy, used to date Bones, so that'll probably add some conflict later. The Enterprise's assignment, routine medical examinations, boldly medical examining where no man has medical examined before. Anyway, Bones and Kirk and blue-shirted creep Darnell are on the planet for about eight seconds before Nancy turns into a sexy lady and lures Darnell away to murder him. Crater treats this as a mild inconvenience, and Nancy, who found the body, says that Darnell died from eating a poisonous plant. Look, it's right there in his mouth, where poison goes. Why, Starfleet officers are always stuffing random plants into their big stupid mouths. You can't fucking stop them. It's why we're out here and not on Earth, scooping up great handfuls of grass and shoving them into our gobs. The landing party takes Darnell the corpse back to the Enterprise to figure out what's wrong with him, and it looks like some asshole stole all his salt. You know, body salt. Presumably, if he'd stayed, Nancy would have devoured his other vital humors, like black bile and phlegm. Kirk realizes something's up and beams down with some other randos and Spock. Then Kirk crawls around on the ground like he's a cool army guy for a while. Meanwhile, said randos are eaten. One, Sturgeon, a giant fish in a, in a red shirt, I presume, is found while Nancy shoves the other one under a rug and assumes his form. Kirk, Spock, and Nancy beam back to the ship, and Nancy creeps on the female crew for a while, and then chases around a salt shaker like she's a cat and it's a laser pointer. Kirk and Spock beam back to the planet yet again, and while they're gone, Nancy eats another dude, hassles Sulu over lunch, and then puts Bones to sleep so that she can become him and creep around some more. Back on the planet, Kirk and Spock discover that other dead idiot under the rug and beam back to the ship once again. This episode alone is sending their frequent transporter miles through the goddamn roof. This time they bring Crater because he's clearly feeding people to his wife. Now, back on the ship, everyone discusses what's to be done. Crater won't help and Bones is being weird because he's a secret monster. So Nancy Bones takes Crater to sickbay and Spock accompanies them, but they get the drop on Spock. Nancy then eats Crater and gives Spock a hickey or something. Finally, Kirk follows Nancy to Bones' quarters and waves a gun at her. Bones is sad because he's in love and only saves his friend because he's had half his fucking brain sucked out by a monster that looks like a fisherman and an extremely hairy predator had a very ugly baby. Also, Spock had to yell at him. Eventually, Bones kills his long-lost love and everyone is happy again. The end! 
Yay, history uh, has been corrected. Ah. Uh, you feel better now? Weight off your chest? I mean, I feel better about this. There's still all the crippling anxiety. Well, I mean, that's just base level anxiety. Yeah. You're going to have that. <laughs> with with your standard issue human and human body, you're going to have that. Oh, man, I thought I'd be normal now. No, no. You might stop having nightmares about this, but I doubt it. Well, about this. And the, and the thing is, returning to these, I was like, yay, the original series. This will be fun. These these were not the very we, best. Uh, we got some clunkers. And and this is my bad thing. Um, The pacing in particular is horrible. Yep. Like, and to be clear, it's not because it's like I can hear people's immediate answer to this. It's an early episode. They don't know what they're doing yet. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. The Cage and Where No Man Has Gone Before uh, already were made before this. Yep. Those did not have that problem. Actually, there were a whole bunch of them in production around the same time. I know yeah, the Corbin might maneuver. Pick of what to, this is the this was yeah. the first episode of Star Trek ever aired. Yeah, and like like the Cage was the unaired pilot. Uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before was the next pilot, but they didn't actually air it in sequence mm-hmm. because I think they were worried that Kirk's pre-existing uh, relationship with Gary Mitchell would be confusing or something like that. There was a lot of weird things like oh, this looks confusing, and this one this one's only set on the ship, and this one's about also a teenager, so we shouldn't do that because teenagers. I and- think. I think what they wanted was a very standard sci-fi story yep. about a monster. Yep. And I mean, this is it. Like, like if you want, you know, if you want to sell people on sci-fi in the 60s, like that's mostly what they thought of in terms of popular entertainment, unless you were reading actual, you know, books mm-hmm. and, and digests of, you know, collections of short stories and stuff. But there were so many good episodes written and, pr- and in production around the same time. Mm-hmm. The Cobra Might Maneuver had uh, tons of effects, so it wasn't ready. Yeah. But... That was the first original series episode I ever saw, and to me, that would have been the perfect premiere. That's a great friggin' episode. This is not a great friggin' episode. Because that one feels like it's about a monster, and then it isn't, which yeah. is the most Star Trek thing. Well, I mean, you say monster. It is Clint Howard. Uh, yeah, but it turns out he's, you know, a nice Clint Howard. He's not always a nice Clint Howard, as evidenced by the last episode of Disco. This is Tranya. Yeah. They should have brought that back. They should have. That's how they, he should have drugged Tilly. <laughs> but uh, really... It's just 10 minutes of plot stuffed into a 50-minute episode. They go upstairs to the ship and downstairs to the planet so many times without changing much of anything story-wise. Like, Amanda loves to compare episodes like this to uh, classic Doctor Who, Mm -hmm. which is running running from the villain's hideout in caves to the rebel's uh, cave hideout Mm -hmm. in a different part of the caves and back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. No, it's... it's, There's a... There's very little plot here, and man... Yeah. <laughs> they spend a lot of time with that very little plot. And you get it right out of the gate. Yeah, they tell you, which I, I don't know. I'm usually a fan of revealing the mystery to the audience and letting the mm. uh, characters figure it out later. Only because so much Star Trek we watched was so bad at preserving mystery. Yep. And it got to the point where it was about the mystery instead of the people. Mm-hmm. And so, t- sure, tell us and let Kirk figure it out later. But... He told us in a voiceover, which means he's voiceovering it later and relaying the story yeah. back, which is not a bad way to tell a story if you do it right. But here it was kind of stupid. Yeah, it's just like you come back from the commercial break and he's like, unbeknownst to us, the. Yeah. No, I get it. I like I look, I get that back in the 60s, I would have had to have watched a bunch of commercials for, I don't know, cigarettes and alcohol, but like mm-hmm. and probably vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. And that weird and like weird gelatin dishes with like fruit floating in it. No, I think they just sold the gelatin. They didn't, uh, you know, the recipes came. Like, no, but in they would suggest magazines. that you could put you could put fruit in it. No, you have to buy magazines to to unlock that. Oh, secret. I understand now. 
Yeah, they didn't beam it out to the airwaves. Come on, that's yeah. like that's like next level shit there. I'm right about the cigarettes and vacuum cleaners, though. Yeah, I don't think alcohol, though. I think that that stopped early on. Mm. But yeah, definitely cigarettes with with the Flintstones. Yeah, definitely the Flintstones. Hey, Bond, yeah. there's nothing I enjoy more than smoking a cigarette and vacuuming the rug. <laughs> with an elephant, which Flint- you can't buy, but you can buy this Hoover Deluxe. Mm-hmm. I just picture yeah. it like like a real vacuum cleaner superimposed. Hey, that's a pretty great vacuum cleaner, Bond. Yeah, that seems about right. But yeah, I, I, you know, and we have to make allowances for it's the 60s. TV worked differently. It, yes. But again, I'm comparing it to other Star Trek episodes from around this time. Not even like two years later where they really figured out the formula. Like episodes that were written and produced concurrently with this one. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not as good as those in, in terms of things they really could have fixed. And in terms of talking down to the audience and... You know, like thinking we're stupid. Listen, dummy, she's three different people. She's three different people depending on who's looking at her. Do you get it? Hey, dummy. I I like that idea. Oh, yeah. And it's executed very well, actually, in this. Like every time they cut to a different person, she'd be different. Yeah. It's like it was basically sort of whoever whoever the, the camera was focused on, it would be that version of her. Yeah. And at first you're like, wait. She had gray hair, now she doesn't wait. Oh, I get yeah. it. Like, it was actually a little clever until they beat you over the head with it. And then they bring it in just a little bit, like, Kirk's bones like, oh, she's gorgeous. And Kirk's like, okay. Yeah, he's like, she she hasn't aged a day since uh, age 25. She she has no gray hair. Uh-huh. Well, she got a little gray I hair. I mean, look, not to be rude or anything, I know this is your stylish temple with the Pazuzu statue out front, but, like... <laughs> And I know this is your old girlfriend, and I don't want to, you know, talk shit about a, a woman that you anything. were clearly in love with. But yeah. uh, look, man, look, the, 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 there's a couple of miles on there. Yeah. Now, uh, this is the the first uh, canonical appearance of uh, Leonard Bones McCoy. Yep. Which you know, my favorite character from the original series. I don't want to speak for you, but I think yours too. No, no. You, th- there, there's th- there's backup on this one. Yeah, I figured, but I didn't want to, you know. Yeah. Like. I want to. I want to give you a chance to say that for yourself. Oh, he course. absolutely is. He's the best, and he's mostly already the bones we know. Like a lot of the characters early on, which is just how TV. You know, that's yeah. how storytelling works. Even now, on the very best shows, mm-hmm. early he, on, they're not what they become. You know, now he comes out pretty fully formed, just like ah, god damn it, Jim, all this his, crap. God, oh. his, his grumbliness is there. I will say though, um, something DeForest Kelly did very well and didn't get a chance to do much but that he was very good at and didn't get a chance to do here much is when he wanted to turn on the charm, he absolutely did. Oh yeah. When he wanted to like melt some lady's heart respectably, but Mm. still, you know, like turn on the flirting up to 11, he could absolutely do that. Mm -hmm. He had that Southern gentleman charm and they alluded to that in, um, uh, the triple episode of DS nine when Dax was like, Oh yeah, I hooked up with him. He's great. He had the hands of a surgeon. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, that's not there yet, and his relationship with Spock isn't there yet, but all the other components are pretty much fully mm. formed already, which is pretty great. And, you know, it's 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 nice to see the guy we like. It's nice to see all the guys we like again. It was. Yeah. I, I noticed this. I never noticed this the la- when we watched this the first time. Early, this might just be early, but mm-hmm. Shatner does all these little action jumps and skips and stuff. Mm-hmm. He does it all the time. He does it again in Charlie X, where it's like something something's happening. And he has to hop up the steps. He's always just 
the, like the, the, there's a corpse on a on a cliff and he runs up and he does a little jump and he sort of hangs over it and then after he's been up there for a while he jumps down what's going on doctor i feel like i mean they definitely wanted to put an emphasis on like i i you know you and i have both read tons of stuff about the behind the scenes now oh yeah and we know it was a it was a hard line to walk because they wanted to put intelligent sci-fi that dealt with issues and and was actually you know kind of kind of you know kind of intelligent on television but at the same time to sell it you have to have like it's an action show and you got like a dynamic handsome action man at the center of it and and you know like we said this is the first one that aired and so they wanted to do a classic monster story Mm -hmm. which is what people thought of as tv sci-fi back then yeah and I feel like they must have pitched Shatner on okay, Jeffrey Hunter won't come back to be Captain Pike. You're you gotta be an action guy. You gotta be like, this is what's gonna sell it is your good looks and action. And because he's Shatner and he has not a subtle bone in his body, he's like, Okay, that means jumping. My good looks, you say. I we we had a we had a bit of a discussion about this before we started recording. I think and I stand by maybe ten to fifteen episodes of season one and that's it. Shatner before he went downhill very fast was a very good looking dude. This is this is in that very narrow window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I you I, disagree. I, I I do not find Shatner at any point in his career attractive. He looks like That's a human fair. dump truck. No, no. He, to be clear, he has a very nice only. face. I see. I'm only talking physically. I'm not talking his personality. Yeah, no, his I'm face saying and... he looks like a human dump truck. Really. I disagree. In the next episode, he's got a shirt off for a while and uh, looks okay to me. Yeah, no, it looks like someone shoved ham into <laughs> pants. Well, I mean, they did. <laughs> as, as we will see later in the series. These are my ham pants. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. No, but, I, I, but, I'm, I'm not a fan. And every close-up, he's just dumping sweat. And I assume that's just how they shot it with, like, the bright lights and everything. And HD makes it more obvious, oh yeah but no man. we're watching the restored versions of these which are on netflix and and you can get them on blu-ray like there's they've they've we raved about this the first time around and i will continue to rave about it the all the colors and all the like they put a lot of care into restoring these episodes and mm-hmm. anytime they put a new effect shot in they didn't change the design of anything they just made it look better yeah like they took the same like they took the physical model and made it 3d so you could you know have a different angle or whatever but they did not say let's make this design better it's if it was a box it was a box mm-hmm. and i like that and but yeah you're right the downside of that is some of the the physical you know uh, uh imperfections show you, through a lot more you can see his skin beef jerkying <laughs> yeah that's true uh they did a lot more and you'll see it more in charlie x but it's in this too mm-hmm. um with the lighting like a lot of more creative like bright colors and stuff yeah like um there's a lot of fairly dull gray walls in parts of the enterprise that are like bright purple because of the lighting. Oh yeah. And it's because uh, TV around this period, they really wanted to push color. Oh well, like, yeah. Color, was... color TV had only been around for a couple of years. Yeah. It was relatively a lot of people new. Still didn't have them. Yeah. It was becoming affordable and they wanted to sell people on like, I know NBC in particular, cause they got the famous, the, the peacock logo with the mm-hmm. rainbow. Like, look, we got all these bright colors, get a color TV and watch our color shows. And yeah, and that kind of faded out in the look of the show. So it's interesting to see these sort of artifacts early on of what the show was trying to be and then kind of backed off of it a little bit. Yeah. Like, it really is just, like, the first episode. Yeah. In in a lot of ways, it is. I mean, you know, there were other ones shot first. There mm-hmm. were other ones, you know, like, like... But, yes, this is the first one that went on TV. So, technically, this is the first episode. It interests me how, like, you know, because we, we've been in this 
for so long that like yeah. you know just but it, it interests me how going into this episode blind would be you know well and like there's and, not a whole it's not there's not a whole lot that you need to figure out it's like oh these guys are in space they're on space adventures i've seen that before yeah no and and if you look at memory alpha there's like people's first uh reactions to this mm-hmm like it got real bad reviews. Oh, it did. Uh, TV guy get a bad reviews and another major publication I don't remember gave it a bad review. And somebody said uh this belongs on Saturday morning children's t- TV. Yeah, I was this reading that sh- uh, on Memory yeah. Alpha also. Yeah. This this should not be programmed alongside grown-up shows. This is not a grown-up show. This is spacemen fighting monsters. I mean, just having Spock there. Spock is if you really think about it at the time, Spock is an odd choice for an alien design. Yeah. Just having, like, almost human, but he's got the ears and the eyebrows. And, yeah. like, you know, you talk to him for five seconds. And, oh, this is this guy's not human. Yeah, but you've you've read the same stuff I have with the development where he was going to be, I think, he was red tinted red, at one right? point. right? Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, whoa, that's leaning into the devil thing way too yeah. much. And, I, I mean, they need something that they could make in the 60s and make affordably and mm-hmm. reproduce over and over again. So, I mean, it also reads immediately. Like, you see him and you know he's different. Yep. But it doesn't take. 16 hours like you know michael dorn or whatever mm-hmm. like i get it it's it's kind of a hard line to walk uh but speaking of design stuff this is your good thing uh yes i love the design on the salt vampire at the end he's just a just a big hairy monster with a leech face and he's got fucking hand tentacles sucking on chatner's face god i missed this stupid fucking show <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that people who got into Star Trek later on and go back and they say, oh, this show's cheesy and is corny or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's it one is. of the things I like about it. it this is made and aired in 1966. Mm-hmm. like, And it looks like that on a TV budget. Not like you could look at some sci-fi movies made around the time that look better because they're movies. Yeah. But TV w- did not enjoy the prestige that it does now. No. They got, you know, a fraction of the budget of a, of a feature movie. And also not a lot of sci-fi movies looked very good at this point either. Yeah. A few, but... Not like now. And for what they had, they try it. And I always give as much credit as I possibly can to the show for being, you know, original and unique. Oh, yeah. And there's there's that bit where they're down in the uh, the Arboretum or whatever it is. The the nursery, I guess it is, actually. Yeah. Arboretum's just for trees and nurseries for, for all plants. And, it's um, the Botany Bay. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I think we made that joke a long time ago. I'm but almost still certain. Good. Yeah. Uh, and, Some things and don't change. A, we get a glimpse of Sulu. Ooh, you get to do your Sulu. Yes. Guess what? I'm back. And this <laughs> but week only I, for a minute. And this week I'm taking care of my plant friend Beauregard. And that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Like it was a it, it is a plant that was sort of like a Venus flytrap or whatever, mm. and it is so clearly a hand puppet. It, yep. The way it moves is just five fingers moving uh-huh. around. But I dig it because they tried something that wasn't just you know, slap some antennas on somebody's head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they did something a little weird. And anytime you see parts of the ship or or parts of this world, this whole galaxy where things are alien and not like we're used to, I dig it. Mm-hmm. Even if it does look a little goofy, which comes back to the salt vampire. Yep. No, I'm like, down, man. I like all this dumb, crap. But it's different. It's different than, yeah. you know, than just having it be a guy. Yeah. If, if it had been Nancy Crater as Nancy Crater being a salt vampire, meh. <laughs> yeah who cares and also i'm a salt vampire blah you didn't know that when we dated for six years leonard <laughs> well, never came up in my defense i don't really ask women i'm dating about themselves 
Not, not about in, in terms of their vampirism. So what kind of vampire would you say you were? <laughs> Here, I made a checklist. Salt or other. Um, Salt and pepper. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My good thing actually goes back to the Sulu thing I was just saying. Yeah. Um, in these early episodes, the supporting characters got a few moments away from Kirk and Spock to be guys. Yeah. Like... You you hang out with Uhura on the bridge with Spock, and there's more of that in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sulu and Rand um, down in the Botany Bay. Uh, Rand at various times. Like, these three characters who are not essential to the narrative, who are just, like, second-tier regular characters, but not... The story's not about them. The story is about Bones and then a little bit about Kirk and Spock. You get to see them. They talk to each other yep. in ways that aren't crucial to the plot just mm-hmm. so we can get to know them. Like sometimes you look back on the old TV and you're like, okay, this is how they made TV back then. It was about the star and that was it. No, this early on was an ensemble show and we had slice of life stuff happening below decks separate from the main plot. It was Shatner's bullshit mm-hmm. that shoved everyone out of the spotlight so that it was all about him. And because Spock was, you know, the meal ticket, it was about Spock a bit yeah. and that was it. Like, but early on, it felt like a crew. It felt like not just the adventures of Jim Kirk and his best friends, but everybody. And I really like that. Yeah. The and bit where Janice is talking to Zulu. It's just yeah, a nice they're just moment. Like, there's, no one's even mentioning uh, Jim Kirk. No. And then the Salt Vampire comes. But we get, you know, a full minute or two of these two guys being themselves. Oh, they're friends. Yeah. Just how's Sulu, it going? What are you working on? Sulu's the navigator, but he also is interested in plants, and mm-hmm. he's friends with Janice Rand. There's yeah. some things I know about Hikaru Sulu now. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And Uhura likes to flirt with Spock. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Like, to the, the point where this time around, I'm just like, were they trying to set these two up at first? These two episodes, I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but it feels pretty, to me, like uh, Abrams writers uh, mm-hmm. looked at these and said, oh, this is a direction it could have gone early on. Yeah. What if we did that? Which I like. There was mm-hmm. some chemistry there. And it's both ways. Like, she's flirting with him and he's flirting back a little bit. Yeah, the scene in the next, uh, in the next episode. Yeah, in the next one. Uh, Which we will discuss at length. Yeah. Because I, I got some stuff to say All about right. that one. But yeah, they're both, they're, they're like, it's, it's in both episodes and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's, it also sets him up as desirable and not just this alien freak. Yeah. Which is nice. Or just like, say. It also sets up the idea that uh, aliens and humans can hook up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot, and we're, we're going to talk about this. Um, it's your bad thing we're going to talk about here in a sec. But there, there's a lot of icky 60s Gene Roddenberry <laughs> There sure fucking is. <laughs> but there's also a little bit of, of sophisticated ideas. There's, um, at one point, the the... Salt Vampire takes the form of an African-American gentleman Mm -hmm. that flirts with Uhura. And on the one hand, okay, it's the 60s. And of course, the dude that flirts with Uhura has to be a dude of color. Of course. You don't want to cross that line. But on the other hand, he's not like, he's not less than. Yeah. It's just, here's a handsome black man who happens to be on the ship Mm -hmm. flirting with this woman of color. And it's all fine. Yeah. That's pretty bold for back then. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of that. And, like, just the subtle, incidental things like that. But then there's the grossness, which is your bad thing. Uh-huh. Man, so there's a scene where two crewmen gather around with the salt vampire to just ogle Yeoman Rand. And it's 
goddamn disgusting. Like, mm-hmm. it's also a really stupid, useless scene that's only there to point out how fucking hot uh, Rand is. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just gross, you know? Yeah, it's not great. Thanks, Gene. I'm glad that we got, I'm glad that we included that. Mm-hmm. Ah, I missed slamming Gene. <laughs> There's also a scene where, uh, on the planet, where Darnell basically just undresses Nancy with his eyes after discussing how awesome it was to be on Wrigley's pleasure planet. And it's just, mm-hmm. ugh. No, and it feels like, like, we, we rag on Gene Roddenberry, and rightfully so. There was mm-hmm. some gross stuff there. And, even correcting for the times, there's some gross stuff. There. Yeah. Like, there's some 60s ass, like, I think, ogling Yeoman Rand. It's wrong. I don't want to see it. It's bad. But on the other hand, it's, it's the 60s. There's going to be some of that. I, I don't like it. Just, it. That doesn't excuse it. But I think that's why it's there. It, it just, right out of the gate, it feels like such, like, Starfleet is such a boys club. And, well, and that's... That's a complete that, turnaround from the cage where we had number one as just a member of the crew in pants, you know? Yeah, and part of that part of that is a network note that said number one can't be a main character. Yeah. But I think, I, I honestly believe, like, as much as we rag on Gene, rightfully so, mm-hmm. I think he had some good ideas, and I think it's not mutually exclusive. Like, I think he was progressive in some ways and also gross in some oh, ways, sure. and I think, like... His idea that women should be serving in the crew as equals to men coexists with the fact that the next step in that thought train for him is, okay, but if there's all these sexy women on the ship, then all the men are just going to go nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't have the sense to turn that thought off. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Like, good, good first thought, put the women on the ship, but then the second thought should not then be, so the men have something to look at. Yeah. But that's, that's where I think that comes from. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like also, his heart was in the right his heart was in the right place, his dick was not. <laughs> the Gene Roddenberry story. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else? The great dick of the galaxy. <laughs> yep. The great bird of the galaxy actually gets name checked in either this one or the other one. I it's don't this one, because they talk about uh, it when uh down in the botany bay. Ah, right. And I the, think I I think it came first in the episode of this is just a thing that exists in this world, and then it was sort of retro applied to Gene. Yeah, thanks the great bird of the galaxy. That'll be me. I'm the great bird of the galaxy. No, 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 no. that's your Brandon Braga oh, excuse voice. Me. Remember, uh, make sure I'm like I'll be the great bird of the galaxy. Uh, hi ho, <laughs> bird of the galaxy. <laughs> also, I was reminded that um, um, DeForest Kelly does not say. Uh, the name J-I-M. He does not pronounce it Jim. He says Jum. Damn it, Jum. Jum. He's dead, Jum. Jum. Yeah. Uh, what else? Anything? What else indeed? That's about all I got. Yeah. Oh, I was surprised that there's a character called Nancy in this and you did not somehow make the leap to Sluggo is lit. <laughs> Real missed opportunity. I there. mean, Sluggo is lit, but no, I couldn't yeah. uh, I couldn't work yeah, that in no, anywhere. Yeah, it would be a long walk, I know. Uh, there's a dude in this in the background wearing a baggy-ass fucking uniform. <laughs> uh, I forgot about this, but, um, like, this ship used to be crawling with, like, engineering dudes just in, like, like jumpsuits. Oh, yeah, this is a this is a separate thing from my, the, the, the named characters get stuff to do. These are the extras, mm-hmm. and there are so many of them, and they get stuff to do, too. There's tons of them, like, just yeah. running around and just, like... Working on crap and building. Yeah, crap. some of them like, get lines. Like they're they're not. Again, 
it's just filling out the ship. It's not important. But at one point, someone crawls by a dude in a Jeffrey's tube and he says, I'm just fixing the whatever. Like, and it's nice because they're not being cheap by just having them be silent extras. They're yeah. talking like they would and they're working like they would. And there's, yeah, there's, it, it feels like a ship full of 400 whatever people. Mm-hmm. It's great. I yeah. love it. But also, as you point out with the guy with the baggy uniform, I don't think they had enough costumes yet. Nope. Because it's early on. And uh, in both episodes, you see women walking by wearing pants. And it's I think those are left over from the cage where oh, definitely. Uh, number one had that outfit. And it's like, well, here's one we made for a woman. It'll probably fit her. Yeah. And some of them are in skirts and some of them are in those. Mm. Which just feeds back into the Starfleet. It's never uh, on the same page uniform wise. Never thing. has been, never will be. Like Yeah. As of episode three. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess, two. I don't know. I don't know what you'd call this. I, I think of it as episode three because I think of the cage as one, but yeah. the cage, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, this is this is how it was presented to us in all of the uh, in all of the episode guides we used to read as kids. So this is, uh, this is uh, gospel, basically. However, though, when you got the uh, uh, first the VHSs and later the DVDs, the cage was tacked on at the end of season three as a bonus thing. Mm-hmm. It, it did not come as part as, you know, episode one of the set. Yeah, I always thought that was weird, and that's the DVD's problem. Look, it's all written down in these books I used to have, okay? <laughs> yes. The Star Trek Compendium. The other Which Star mean, Trek Compendium. The, the Star Trek Timeline. Guide to the Original Series. Come on, people. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's that's when you and I realized that the level of our Star Trek fandom was equal. Uh-huh. Was We both w- grew up pouring over these books. Yep. Often when we hadn't even seen the episodes yet, I like I would know things that happened in episodes I hadn't seen because of those books. Oh, yeah. No, I could tell you the title of almost every episode of Trek just by like a vague description of it. I didn't see any almost any of them until we did the show. Yeah. Now well, we've like, seen all six episodes. Yeah. No, I knew tons of stuff. I, I couldn't tell you the titles now, mm-hmm. but back then I had them all committed to memory. Oh, God. So many of them are just stuck in my mind. It's not just the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. No, I mean... Original series had some pretty good ones, uh-huh. but I'm talking later on, like uh, Next Gen had a run where it felt like Seinfeld titles, where it was the and then one word every mm-hmm. single week. The gift, the host, uh-huh. the, you know, Ugh, okay. The Marble Rye. Yeah. And then DS9s weren't much better. Mm-hmm. For excellent episodes would always have the most forgettable titles. Yeah, seriously, man. Like, uh, And now discos are just stupid. <laughs> Six Semper uh. Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> You just said always faithful, terrible lizard. I did? Cool. Watching some Venture Brothers lately. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. You got a quote? Uh, I do. And it's this. You could learn something from Mr. Spock, Doctor. Stop thinking with your glands. Good quote. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving forward now to Charlie X. Okay. Before I start, I want to make it clear that the main guest star in this episode has a rather unusual physical look and I'm promising to you and to myself that I won't make jokes about that because I'm better than that. I may not have been better than that eight years ago, but I'm a more evolved, more enlightened man now and I can do better. Right. So, the Enterprise meets with the Antares, a cargo ship that's barely big enough to hold the giant bulbous head of teenager Charles Charlie Evans. Damn it! Also, Evans doesn't start with an X unless... Wait, is that how the alphabet works in the future? Uh, oh, we're not doing in the future either? Man, this summary's already a mess. I better get my shit together or else Matt's going to make me redo this one a third time. He abuses me. It's not pleasant. <laughs> All right, let's start again. <clears throat> the Enterprise welcomes Charlie Evans aboard. Charlie is a human and not one of those Talosians from the cage or a Billy Quizboy cosplayer. Why would you even say that? 
He was also the sole survivor of a spaceship wreck on the planet Thasis, where he's lived since he was three. You may wonder how Charlie survived in a hostile alien world for 14 years, but don't worry, the show totally has your back and there's a whole conversation with Bones about the fruits and vegetables he ate. So that's all sorted, thank Christ. Until his rescue by the Antares, Charlie hadn't really met or interacted with other humans for most of his life, so this is bound to go well. As evidenced by his wacky Tex Avery cartoon reactions to Yeoman Rand and culminating in his slapping the ass of same. Yes, he actually literally smacks a grown woman's buttocks in public without her consent. This is not an exaggeration. It somehow falls to Jim Kirk, of all people, to explain to Charlie why this was wrong, and astoundingly, he actually does a passable job of this. But Charlie is a horny 17-year-old, and he has to release those frustrations somehow, so he begins melting chess pieces and turning meatloaves into turkeys, which I think may have been one of the biblical miracles, come to think of it. Yes, it would seem that the titular Charlie Xvins has godlike powers, which, not counting the cage, we're on episode three of this brand new, soon-to-be-revolutionary science fiction series, and this is already the second time we've seen someone with godlike powers. Uh, surely this is just a coincidence, though, and it's also likely to be the last time it happens. The godlike powers in question here came from the Thasians, who Spock sort of casually mumbles about for a second like we already know who they are. Listen, man, I've seen literally every minute of this franchise, and I don't know what a fucking Thasian is. I know all about goddamn tachyons and way too much about every imaginable flavor of Klingon, but uh, alright, I digress. Kirk does his best to take Charlie under his shirtless wing and teach him how to act more appropriately. But the kid wipes out the Antares with his mind. He vaporizes a bunch of crew people, including Yeoman Rand, turns another yeoman into a small plastic lizard, and removes the face of yet another crew person. So I think it's safe to say that Kirk may not be terribly effective as a father figure. Are you listening, David Marcus? You don't really you didn't really miss out on anything, trust me. Eventually the episode ends the way all TOS episodes like this must. A glowing green face appears on the bridge to punish a child. And sure, that feels like a cliché now, but it was pretty groundbreaking stuff for 1966. Everyone that Charlie disappeared or transformed returns and or returns to normal, including Yeoman Rand, who materializes on a fully staffed bridge in her nightie. Oh, Janice. I'd like to say this will be the worst indignity you'll ever be forced to endure on this ship, but uh, I no longer have to pretend I don't know what happens next, and two weeks from now you're actually going to look back kind of fondly on this literal nightmare that many people have. Also, we're not doing alternate titles anymore, but how perfect is Charlie X Portrait of an Ass Slapper? Seriously, it works on so many levels. <laughs> so disappointed that we weren't doing that. Damn it! It's a Simpsons reference, and it's what happens in the episode. <laughs> yeah, this uh, one was, uh, hmm. How yeah. How would you describe this? Um, not the best. Once again, yeah. uh, the episode seems to think that we haven't figured out what's happening long after we figured out what's happening. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that early on. It's also very clearly ripped off of an episode of uh, The Twilight Zone. Well, this is my bad thing. Uh-huh. Um, it is essentially It's a Good Life from The Twilight Zone, which you may not know by title, but it's the uh, Wish Him Into, a corn, into mm -hmm. the Cornfield episode. Everyone knows that one. Billy Moomy is the creepy kid that everyone's terrified of. Mm -hmm. Except the kid is a gross creep instead of a kid. Like, it's it's not a bad premise, and it's not a bad twist on that premise, but your third episode out of the shoot should not just be the same basic story idea as a classic sci-fi show that had been around for 10 years. Yeah. Like, I'm sure people knew that and knew that it was excellent. And then you're just like, yeah, here's one of ours. Yeah, just see Gene. What if we do an episode where a teenager has god powers? You mean like that episode of The Twilight Zone, Gene? No, uh, it's different. The what? I never heard of it. What I don't watch that? science fiction. It's for children and stupid people. <laughs> yep. 
Now, this was one of his very original, like when he pitched the show to the network, he mm-hmm. had a list of example episodes, and this is one of them. It was like The Day Charlie Turned Into God or something yeah. like that. It's not a great title either, Gene. Oh, just call it Charlie X then. You know, X for Evans. <laughs> X for extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> I'm turning into 24. <laughs> Why did you buckle up? <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's honestly, they in the right hands, and I mean the real right hands. Uh-huh. There's not a lot of people in the history of Star Trek that could do this. The story of a teenage creep, yeah, being able to do whatever he wants could be a really interesting meditation on like entitlement. Yeah, you could tell a story about, I mean, basically, a young white dude gets to do whatever he wants anyway. Yeah, basically. But what if also he had the power to change reality? Mm-hmm. Like, like- that's an that interesting, interesting direction. Yeah, that's not what this did. No, it's that's also not, the 60s, no. so like... Yeah. I, that said, there were some things I was surprised by. Mm-hmm. Like, there were some things that they... Like, we never sympathized with Charlie, not once. No, he's real gross right out of the gate. Like, even at the end, they're trying to sort of play up your sympathies with him, where he, they're, the, the, the Thasians... Thasians... Yeah. The green spacemen have come to take him home, and he's just like, no, please, I want to stay with you. And yeah, Kirk he's fucking, begging for his life. Kirk fucking steps up and is just like, well, I mean, like, he's a kid, you know? Like, can't we, yeah. we, we can train him or whatever. And the uh-huh. alien guy's like, nope, he's gross forever. We're taking him yeah. back. Yeah. But, like... No, and even I, then he wasn't that sympathetic. I, yeah, that's the thing. Like, at the end, I'm just, I, I remember feeling bad for him, and now I'm just like, nah, you're, you, you probably should live on a planet away from people. You're, you're real gross or, just in general. Or be more slowly integrated back into society. Don't dump him on a ship full of 400 people and give him free reign to slap people in the ass. Yeah, no. Like, maybe a little bit at a time? Take him to the mall one day, supervised, and, you know, kind of work up from there? I I, I don't want to take him to the mall. No, I don't, but, uh, you know, his green-faced... I I have friends at the mall. I don't want to be seen with this guy. (laughs) But his green-faced stepdad could do it. Just floating around behind him. He's got one of those fucking kid leashes on his wrist. Yeah. The the, the green face is sipping an orange Julius. Mm-hmm. Which now, I've never seen anyone buy in real life, but everyone who goes to the mall on TV drinks an orange Julius. Yep. Now, Charlie, we are going into the Toys R Us. We are only going into the Toys R Us to look. There will be no buying of any toys from the Toys R Us. And do not melt the toys with your mind either. Don't undress the Barbies, you weirdo. Whatever, Dad. Toys R Us closed. Ah, <laughs> oh, you made me sad. Yeah. They don't feel the sad. They're, don't feel sad. They're back now with a new name, and it turned out it was just a bankruptcy scam. Well, no, I know it was a bankruptcy scam. I knew that the whole time. Yeah. But, you know, still sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, now there was, like, I'm not going to say this episode was, you know, anything but very tone deaf by modern standards. Sure and it was. You said first time around you you felt sympathy with him. I may have as well. I don't remember. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons we wanted to go back is we look at these things a little differently now. Mm-hmm. You and I are trying to be more aware of things. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure even eight years ago us knew walking around slapping women on the ass was probably not okay. Oh, no, definitely. I just, it was more sort of the like, well, maybe you shouldn't do this to a 17-year-old. But no, yeah. you probably should. No, I get it. And if they told the story differently, I could see... The kid's not ready for this. Yeah. He shouldn't have this power. And again, it could be a story about how this is kind of the most dangerous time in a dude's development. Uh, yeah. And 
you know, when your hormones are going nuts and you don't know what you're doing and all you want to do is be cool and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, ah. But that's not what they did. Yeah. I think that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. That's not really what they did. And just, man... (laughs) All those scenes with uh, with Kirk and just he he's trying, but Jim Kirk is not the father figure that this boy needs. No, and but people said, keep pushing him off on him. That said, I do like it. Oh I yeah, I do like like Kirk as Kirk is not a good person for this, and I think the show knows that already. But at the same time, he's like, well, I'm the captain. Like, somebody's got to do this. And, yeah, and you're right. It was pretty funny. Bones is like, <laughs> I'm not touching it. Yeah. Like, hey, look, I gave him his physical. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And Spock is like, well, I'm not qualified for this. Yeah, I'm not. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. But uh, Shatner, like, actually is, this is my good thing. He he has a very specific, very, very narrow range of comedy that I find him funny in. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of knowingly smarmy, but also a little self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, come on. Come on, man. Don't slap her on the ass. We know. Just please don't do that. And it could have been this sort of British office level uncomfortable, but it's kind of he's a little embarrassed. He's a little amused, but he also knows he has to take it seriously. And it's kind of like your older brother saying, look, man, we've all wanted to do gross, inappropriate things, but please don't do gross, inappropriate things. And I don't know. He he sells it for me. There's also the there's also the line. There's no right way to hit a woman, which is I'd see. The, on the surface, that sounds bad, but if you think about it, I mean, yeah, there is I no right way true. to do it. You're right. Yeah. You shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> but I don't know. Like, the sentiment is don't hit women. Yeah. It, but it, it sounds gross. Uh-huh. It absolutely does. You're not wrong. <laughs> but he's trying to tell him don't ever do that under any circumstances. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, man to man is, is different, Charlie, but there's no well, there's, there's right way to hit a woman and again, in the episode that, that I'm sort of fan writing in my head now that would be sort of about <laughs> teen entitlement, if you if you had Kirk inadvertently filling in with this toxic masculinity. Oh, shit. Yeah. That would be really like now I just want to rewrite. This That's episode. a way better episode. <laughs> yeah. Knowing and they didn't know who Kirk was just yet. They were sure. they were getting there. Yeah. But, you know, if you knowingly put the Kirk that we all know through pop culture. Mm trying to school this teenage boy how to act appropriately and thinking he's doing the right thing, but he just doesn't know. Yeah. That could be really, like, that could be interesting. Yeah. But that's not what this was. No, this this is just a lot of gross teenager. Yeah. And and let's really get into this whole Yeoman Rand thing, because, boy. And I alluded to this in my my summary, like, Mm -hmm. what happens to her in The Enemy Within, which is, like, two episodes later, is way worse. But this is still pretty bad. This is, and I I just spend the episode feeling bad for her, because from the second Charlie beams on the ship, he's, like, just, like, say. Well, he's never seen a woman before. Yeah. Probably he's seen pictures or movies or whatever, but he's never seen one in real life before, and he doesn't know how to react, and I get that. Yeah. But on the other hand, ugh. And God bless her, she tries so hard, like, way yeah. beyond the tolerance of anyone. Yeah. Like, there's this scene where he's, like, he's, like, uh, basically doing card tricks in the the uh, mess hall or whatever it is. Yeah. And he starts pulling out, pic- like, pictures of her in, where the cards should be, and then a card appears in her bra and just, like, all of yeah, this... See- Without magic powers is creepy and gross and just like, and she's still like, oh, maybe we can hang out later. Here's a girl you might like. 
I think there's like a lot of it starts out as kind of innocent and fun and gradually crosses a line. And I think mm. that's one of those scenes that does like the card trick before he starts putting the cards, you know, on her person. Yeah. was kind of cute. Look, it's the queen of diamonds, but it's your face. Mm. Huh? Like that, that would be cute. But then like it went in her clothes. That's not cool. Man. Yeah. And I think uh, I know DC Fontana had a lot to do with this script. Yeah. She, uh, <laughs> she wrote it from Jean's uh, concept, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I don't want to. I don't want to read too much in you know where like I have. I don't know this. This is my guess mm-hmm. that the experience of being a woman around you know entitled important men around, especially around then, uh-huh. there was a lot of I should not have to put up with this, but I have to put up with some of it. Yeah, and I feel like probably DC Fontana's input made Rand like that. Yeah, made it where we want a woman in 2018 to tell him fuck off or smack his face or whatever. Yeah. But she's like, it's like watching Mad Men. Mm-hmm. It's like those women kind of have to put up with it. They don't like it, but it's like, what am I going to do? Lose my job? Yeah. And again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm, I'm wanting there to be more social commentary than there is, but because it was written by a woman, maybe mm-hmm. there's some of that in there on purpose. You know? Yeah. I can see that. And also DC Fontana is a very good writer. Yeah, she is. I, she's very good with character. Like mm-hmm. her, her plot stuff. Usually, someone else came up with the plots, as I recall. Yeah, but yeah, she. I mean, you know, she basically built the Spock that we all know and love. Oh yeah. So, but there's also we get the scene later where Charlie basically comes to her her quarters and she's just like, yeah, and no. invites himself into her room. Yeah, and she's like, "You don't come in without knocking. You don't talk to people like this. I want you to leave me alone." So yeah, and yeah, of course that's... he wishes her to the cornfield, but still, she tried. He's he's crossed so many lines to that point yeah like and you know i get it and also not everyone's going to be as as forceful as others like mm-hmm. kira would have fucking slammed him into the wall on the first you know the first thing yeah but not everyone's like that i get that mm-hmm. but but yeah she does even you know even rand who seems patient as hell has a, a line and yeah. it's hey don't walk into my room while i'm in my underwear asshole yeah. what the hell's wrong with you yeah well <laughs> so many things do you want the list like yeah um, I, I will say when, when it really gets going, mm-hmm. when he gets like full on, we know what the deal is and he's doing crazy shit. This is your good thing. It gets, well, it gets yeah. pretty, pretty, Charlie gets legit threatening. And we, we've talked about this a little bit. What's more threatening than like a teenage boy who's really wants to have sex, who, yeah. who can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Like he's basically just walking around the ship, uh, torturing women at, at, by the end. Yeah. Mostly women. I mean, there's some dudes too, but it, it's it's so clearly more driven by his libido. But there's occasionally, like, if he thinks he's being laughed at. Well, the thing is, he'll freeze or disappear dudes. Women are the yeah. only people he tortures, basically. Mm, yes. However, he's only interested in Rand. Mm-hmm. Because they try to throw in this other woman at one point. Yeah, and he turns her into a fake plastic iguana later. I don't know. That was, a, that was a different one. Oh, what? all right. I don't remember what he does to this one. But, I mean, he does a lot of different things. I mean, he might just be a dick to her, and then she's like, well, I'm going to go where someone wants to talk to me. I'm like, you tell him, sister. Um, But no, there's a lot of specific things he does. Like you said, like making the woman's face disappear. Yeah, that was a genuinely creepy. It's it's a super simple effect, but. It's not a very effective effect, I would say. And I think the HD probably, like, you know. You can see the lines. Yeah, I did not look, but I got the point. And just like the salt monster, just like the hand puppet, I know what they were going for, and I like it. But it looked kind of cheesy. The small plastic lizard looked worse. Soon to be stolen by Alexander. 
Yeah, that's why I that's why I worded it that way. Yes. <laughs> no, and and but also it again it hit all the same notes as that Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. So Kirk doesn't get turned into a jacket in the box, but you know we can't have everything. Mm, yeah, where would you put it? <clears throat> uh, what was your bad thing? Uh, yeah. Uh, not a fan of the uh, Starfleet issue workout tights. Mm. Um. They're basically just like red leggings with a Star Trek logo on the on them, mm-hmm. and they do not look good on either of the gentlemen who decide to wear them, uh, Shatner or the guy who I identified as Charles Boyle. <laughs> they gave the guy a name, and I don't remember what it was. I think it's Sam. Yeah, that might be it, yeah. Sam, come over here so I can beat you up for a while. Sam Boyle. Uh-huh. Thanks, Captain. I love you. <laughs> But, um, boy, you know, the power of HD means you really can see uh, Shatner's tiny underwear uh, yeah, no, that's going right. on in those pants. I will I will say, again, uh, I think he looked pretty good with a shirt off back then. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, that, that outfit was not doing his lower half any favors no. at all. <laughs> not the best. Uh, we did get uh, an establishing shot as we're, as we're coming into the, the gym area. Uh, two dudes doing what is clearly ambu-jitsu. Uh-huh. Which is that weird American Gladiators giant Q-tip fighting thing? Mm-hmm. The well-established uh, uh, martial arts. Yeah, I mean it's in um, it's in Next Gen when uh, uh, Riker's doing it with Bill Senior, his dad. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, I, like, I don't know this, but it feels like they looked at some background thing from the original series and said, "Let's, what is that about? What let's, about this? Let's tease this that out happening. to a thing." Yeah, I, I like when they do stuff like uh-huh. that. You know, I don't want them to explain the origins of it. That's where I lose. That's where they lose me. But. If you see it happening once, maybe it'll happen again. That's from the Ambo Jitsu planet, Al. Yeah, well, of course. Mm-hmm. There'd be a whole Enterprise episode explaining the, you know, secret origins of that. Sure. It was invented by Flocks. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah. Let's see. There's one big thing I want to talk about when I get to my quote, but I want to make sure we've covered everything Yeah, else let's, first. uh... You want to roll into... Uh, yeah, I think we can that? roll into your quote. I, th- I don't think so, I have anything So else. there's... Okay, let me... I, this needs a little setup. So they're all like there's a there's a recreation deck or whatever where like uh, the card trick thing and Charlie plays uh, 3D chess with Spock like they're, they're all you know they're all hanging out doing recreation stuff and uh, Spock's jamming on his Vulcan flute mm-hmm. or uh, lute lute not flute different no. thing um, and Uhura starts singing along with him. Oh, on the starship Enterprise. There's someone who's in Satan's guise Whose devil ears and devil eyes Could rip your heart from you At first his look could hypnotize And then his touch would barbarize His alien love could fix and rip your heart from you and that's why female astronauts oh very female astronauts we terrified and overwrought to find what he will do (laughs) oh girls in space be wary be wary Girls in space, be wary. We know not what he'll do. <laughs> and we 
mentioned this in the previous episode, there's a bit of flirting between the two of them. Uh, it is way more overt here. Mm-hmm. Uh, where she just sings this whole song about him being the devil. <laughs> which I mean, I fucking love. I mean, you know, a sexy devil, but. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's a little casually racist. Oh, pointy ears is like the devil. Yeah, okay, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's one, it shows Uhura was clearly into him. Two, it shows a playful side of Spock because he's kind of rolling his eyes, but he's also kind of li- like, yeah, like he, d- he never a stops. Like, yeah. And Uhura, it's again. The lesser crewmen that aren't Kirk, Spock, and Bones get stuff to do. Like, oh, she sings. Yeah. And she's playful, and she's got a good sense of humor, and she's into Spock. Mm-hmm. There's so many things I did not know about Uhura. Yeah. And then that just kind of goes away. Yeah, well. But here, it is so much fun. Yeah. Like, uh, the ship feels full, and it feels fun and Shatner kind of kills both of those things I, later on. I just I love those shots of just this crowded rec room of just randos who are just yeah on it's their... not just Uhura and Spock and like two other people there's like 20 people in there yeah like the the room is crammed and people are doing stuff like uh uh Rand and uh Uhura playing cards and like mm-hmm. Spock's yeah, jamming a, a bunch on of his different loot. things. it just stuff is happening it fe- the the ship feels busy and lived in like I love that yeah no, it is it is great. And I think, you know, it had to go away a little bit because of the budget. They couldn't hire, sure. you know, 20, 30 extras for every episode every time. Mm-hmm. But when they do, it, it's great. Yeah. And even the later shows didn't really. Like, I don't know that Discovery feels as full as this. It doesn't like, except for, Enterprise maybe, definitely except for maybe the party scene. Like, uh... Yeah, but that's because everyone's off duty at a party. But yeah. The, what was great about this was every time you're anywhere in the ship, there's a bunch of people there. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a scheduled event. This is just every day. One, one of the things I like is you have people doing things, too, like, you know, working yeah. on stuff. Like, nowadays, it's always just people on their way somewhere. Which is also fine. Yeah. But you want people working on panels and, you know, like, carrying a thing to go fix something. Or, and you I know, certainly whatever. get it. It's di- like it's distracting to whatever, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention to. But I like it. You know, yeah. no, it makes the ship feel like a ship and not like a set. Yeah, exactly. And it also because it's the 60s and because it's a little cheesy and a little low budget and now it's shot in HD where you can see every detail. Mm. The more people you put in, the less you're paying attention to the cardboard set. Yeah. like And the sets of the Enterprise look good. Uh-huh. Like even now, I think they look pretty good. Mm-hmm. But filling them with people and activity means you're not looking for like looking for fucked up things that look wrong and cheap. Yeah. Because there's there's stuff to draw your eye that isn't a panel that they kind of haphazardly painted or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, sure. It just it makes it feel more real. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Um speaking of cheap cheap sets when Charlie starts throwing uh, Kirk and Spock around, there's a big dent in uh, Rand's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and that's that's where I was talking about where yeah. they shot with the really bright colorful lights, which I love. Uh-huh. But it looks very unusual because the rest of the series, like, it was only for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. And it really stands out because, like, wait, the Enterprise doesn't look like this. I saw 70 other episodes where it does not look like that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. And going back and revisiting some episodes, like, I know why we did this. We did these very specifically because you wanted to give them another pass, and mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. But these, if I were going back and rewatching. Some old episodes. This is not. These are not the ones I would have picked. These no, are not these are not. These are definitely episodes. not the the best of the original series. Yeah, or even fun. just like the like you know just a run of the mill good episode. No, these are. I think both. I would say slightly below average. Yeah, 
but there's a lot of fun there. There's a lot of creepy 60s stuff there, but there's also a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. there. And, you know, I'm glad we did this. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. Well, that is all for this time. Uh, next time, uh, and, and people have requested this, and I will make an effort, and Matt, you should as well, mm. on, on social media to put out what we're doing next. Oh, Because okay. I, f- I completely forgot, or it didn't occur to me, and I apologize for this, that people like to follow along with us. Yeah. And when we're doing a series, you know, they're doing the next two. Yeah. Okay. Or Disco, you're doing one at a time, so the next one. Uh, this is such a weird sampling, and we're not even doing them chronologically because of scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we're doing uh, DS9, and then we're coming back to the uh, next gen, and then we'll go back to the original. Like, we're, yeah. we're going all around. Um, so uh, with that said, I'm going to say this now, and I will I will put it on my Twitter. I'll put it on Facebook. You should, Matt, you should do the same. Yep. Um, the next one we are doing is the DS9 finale, the two-part finale, uh, What You Leave Behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irish Gav will be joining us, and the reason we are revisiting this one is not because we felt like we did a bad job the first time, not because we feel like more enlightened about it, uh, but because Irish Gav has joined us for all the other series finales and hasn't done this one yet. Yeah. It's just a completionist thing, that's all. And I wanted to revisit DS9 at least once. Yeah. So, and we're actually going to be doing it another time, but uh, for next week, what you leave behind, we will be revisiting episode 235 of the Postonic Horror with our friend Irish Gav. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to follow along, uh, I know in the U.S. all the Trek series are on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, I'm not. Uh, we can't confident. help you otherwise. But uh, also Netflix. CBS All Access, if you got that for for Disco, you might as uh, well use the Trek it, series. Like... Yeah, they have the Trek series too. So. I think they're on Amazon too. Now that I think about it, like all. I mean, all... they're. I I don't know if they're free on Amazon. Is the thing? Like, yeah, they're that's on true. The the pay series I know def or the pay uh, services like uh, Amazon and iTunes. You know, you can pay to rent them or buy them, mm-hmm. but. As far as free streaming, if you pay for the service, I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, Anyway, so that will be next week. Uh, Until then, as ever, the website, postatomichorror.com, the email address, postatomichorror at Gmail, uh, Tumblr, postatomichorror.tumblr.com. We are on Twitter, at Algar, at RobotMatt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, See you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron, Algar Watt, and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2018. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.